Father, we just thank you. We just give you praise and glory. We just reverence you in this place. Father, we thank you because your word, the entrance of your word brings light and understanding. Father, we thank you that with your word today, you are correcting perceptions and ideas that are not of you in the minds of the people. Father, you are checking out strongholds and imaginations and, and lies that Satan has planted in the minds of people concerning your character. Father, we just reverence you. We just love you. We just thank you. You are everything to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Today, we're going to be continuing our teaching on um, the woman question. Yes, uh, I said, no, yesterday, sorry. Last, uh, last week, Friday was awesome. We looked at a few things and... Um, I believe you've been blessed by that. If you've not seen that video, um, you may want to check it out. I think it's also on Telegram, our Telegram channel, Passion Talks on Telegram. And go check that out. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we're going to continue. Amen. And um, you see, one thing that I prayed for was that the, the mindset or lies of the enemy, you know, that have been etched in people's minds as strongholds will be removed and destroyed. You know, Satan's one major assignment <laughs> since genesis has been to distort the image of god you know in our minds has to you know to destroy or or mar or stain the reputation of god so that god does not appear to be what he says he is or who he says he is his goodness it text tells the, the woman it says did god really say it says god knows it says you know the woman says he says if we eat it we die he says no that you will not die. So it counters God's word. It says, no, God knows that the day you eat it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. So in other words, it's like God is lying. God is trying to keep something from them. God is dishonest. God is deceitful. And so what does he do? He steals her trust of God. The Bible says she was deceived. She was deceived. And that's the one thing that he has sought to do, you know, in all humanity, to deceive man, to distort man's perception of God. In fact, in, in cases where he can, he'll get man to deny that there is a God at all. He'll get that one. He will try to convince man that God is not even in the picture. When man finds out oh, there is a God, actually, because it's sensible. The Bible tells us in Romans 1 there's a God. He now says, okay, um, they found out there is a God. So let's, let's, uh, let's make sure they think that that God is maybe not involved in their lives. And that's what we call deism. So people feel God is not involved. He just made the world and left. And so the world is the way it is, it's wicked, it's evil, it's all those things, you know. God is not involved. Aha. If people find that out, then what does he do? He now tries to say, okay, uh, if they find out that, okay, no, 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 he's actually involved, right? Miracles happen and all those things. They say, okay, well, let's confuse them and let them not know which one, you know, or which is the way to God. So we have many religions, many of them. So it goes on and on and on, even down into when you now even get born again, you find out that Christ is God, you find out that he's the only way and you get born again. Even there, you still see his deception come. He still tries to steal the word from you, still tries to tell you, oh, your prayers are not answered because of this and that. Or, and that way he does it is the way, you know, women are portrayed or, or perceived you know, in scripture, it tries to tell us, oh, no, 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 as a woman, no, God doesn't value, doesn't care about you. Look, look in the Bible. You understand? So today we are here to correct that perception 
or that view that God is he's impersonal, doesn't care about women, women are, you know, something to be kept on the side. I think last week we looked at Genesis, right? Genesis 1, Bible says he created man in his image, male and female created him them, and then spoke about his image. So so we see that man and woman have or man and woman have an equal footing from what we explained last week man and woman have an equal footing there's nothing like a man is superior to woman even in marriage we looked at mar- the marriage context that even in marriage a man is not superior to a woman no headship is actually love <laughs> amen so as i said if you did not get that one you want to go check that out that was that one was fire i really really enjoyed teaching that hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah so today we're just going to jump back into the pot of God's word and uh, we're going to look at a few things that uh, I couldn't touch on last uh, week. Couldn't touch on these things last week, but then we're going to definitely touch on all of them. Uh, so uh, so in the Old Testament, we're going to find out that women were actually, like if you look at, I mean Moses was the guy who, how would I put it, crystallized what we call Judaism. Is the one that brought it together as a religion and everything. Uh, that's the the worship of the Israelites, right? And there's nothing in the law of Moses that actually says that a woman should be mistreated or any of those things. No, actually. In fact, we see that after he structured that and died, we see that there are certain people or several people that came out of that same system and ruled Israel. Or the people who actually took leadership. In fact, when Moses was um, when he was in charge, we have his sister Miriam, right? Miriam, Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty. Oh, um, disclaimer, please. You should get a Bible if you want to properly participate in this. Okay, maybe what I should do is I should mention the fact that this is important for you. If you like, be a guy or a lady. This is not really about um, feminist ladies coming to come and say, "Hey, thank God." No, no, no. This is about us vindicating god or helping you see that god is good you know because if for god to be god god has to be all good god is good you understand and his standards are righteous his standards are fair do you understand and these are commonplace things today we are in 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 a world where god is slandered consistently right the average person say i know how about this how about that i can't say god that is evil i can't say god that is that but the answers are right there in the bible God is not evil. God is good. <laughs> you understand? God is more good than any good person can hope to be. So we are redeeming that image. It's not like we are trying to paint God in a good light. No, God has been good, but he has been slandered. So it is important for you as a believer to know these things. So that when someone says, I know, I can't say because you can show them. How about this? 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 You get, guys, or someone that he said in his class, you know, he... I mean, this is a man, I think in his master's or PhD or whatever, he attended something where the professor said that uh, that even that the Bible is misogynist or against women. And the guy got up and verse after verse, you might have to apologize. You understand? Yeah, because we don't treat it lightly when a person messes with the image of God or distorts the view of God. As a believer, you shouldn't take that lightly. You get you should be able to defend your faith, defend it, and say, no, this is how God is. So pay attention, have your Bible ready, out, you know, outline things that you need to outline so that you can actually defend, you know, this wherever you find yourself. Amen. So um, let's get back into that. All right. So Miriam spoke. She was actually a prophetess. A prophetess just because Moses was a prophet. Amen. 
a prophet is one that speaks on God's behalf, speaks publicly on God's behalf. So, I mean, that's a public office. That's something that uh, has to do with leadership and repute. I'm talking about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets were highly revered. Of course, they were also killed, but then they were highly revered and, and um, you know, they were not to be a prophet to call a prophet ah it was a very very serious thing and some of them were even rulers some of them appointed kings and different things you know someone like samuel the prophet for example is one that appointed saul as king and even david he's the one that poured or he poured the oil on david and anointed him king so it's a very very big deal anyway so exodus chapter 12 verse that's wrong exodus chapter 15 sorry verse 20 exodus 15 verse 20 so it says and miriam the prophetess i seen that miriam the what the the prophetess the sister of aaron took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went after her with timbrels with dances and Miriam answered them singing to the lord i seen that so you notice that she's in this in this in this sense she's actually like a leader she you know the women went after her you know like obviously women are lovely and everything but you see there's a kind of leadership role she's a prophetess she's acclaimed as a prophetess so if someone will say ah that women where are they in the bible look at that that's one of them <laughs> you get uh, that's one of them let's look at numbers chapter 12 verse 1 because we're going to see that not only was she a leader but she was such a leader that she even forgot her place as how i put it maybe second or third or fourth in command and that moses was actually first that she even challenged Moses secretly with her brother Aaron. You get, look at this, Miriam and, Aaron, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, the background of this story is that Moses had actually given a law saying that <laughs> they should not marry outside. But the guy sharply went and married outside. If this was the second wife he was marrying outside. And so verse 12, and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? right and the lord had it so uh we're going to find out that what happened miriam and miriam ended up collecting prophet you know not prophet sorry leprosy here but the point is that you see how she was in a place of leadership where she was saying ah, has god not always he has only spoken to Moses? has he not spoken to us too do you understand she was a woman of repute among the israelites she was not the subjugated slave somewhere she was actually very very much revered for her to even say what she was saying amen you can see that then there's also this other lady, Deborah or Deborah, judges for four. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at this time. So not only was she a prophetess, she was the wife of somebody. You get before you say, ah, maybe she's married, and uh, she's married, she cannot do anything because she's married. You know, her work is just to cook and clean the house. This one was married, and she was a prophetess. Not just a, the prophet, she judged Israel. So she was a ruler. She was the head. A woman was the head of Israel at this time. Are you seeing that? She was the head of Israel at this time. So you can't say that women were not, you know, taking prominent roles. She was, right? Let's look at, there was another one. Her name was Hilda. 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 14. 2 Kings 22 verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest and Ak- uh, Ahikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Ashashiah went unto Hulda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tifka, the son of... So again, she was the wife of somebody, right? Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. That's the King James. I'm just interested, shocked to see the word college here. 
And she said unto them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. So the king actually sent uh, the priest and um, some other people to her to consult them concerning um, a book that they found. Actually, it's the book of the Lord that they found and everything. And she answered them. So you see that she also was of such prominence that the king had to call us or go consult her. She was no small lady. Okay, then um, Isaiah also, just for the sake of time, because there are lots of things to share today. Isaiah's wife, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. You know, if you actually go check it out, you see that she also was a prophetess. Right? He's talking about it actually mentions that his wife was a prophetess, Isaiah's wife. Okay. So um then if you remember Hebrews eleven, Hebrews eleven now, Hebrews eleven is a very one of my favorite kind of uh, text to study. It talks about people who had faith in God in the Old Testament. That is faith in Christ, actually, in the Old Testament. People who believed the gospel in the Old Testament. And it doesn't talk about them in any small terms. In fact, it talks about them in golden terms, right? And in fact, it's called they are called elders. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain the good report. Are you seeing that? So, they are called elders. Now, that means everybody here is an elder, Right? And the word elder, right, is not a casual word, right? The elder, the word elder would be a senior, you understand? Someone like a senior, and an elder person or a senior in terms of rank or office or something like that. That's someone that is really revered, okay? So, we now see he calls her, calls two people elders, Sarah in verse 11, verse 11 it says uh through faith also sarah herself received strength conceived so he calls her an elder you understand so for her to appear here it means that she was recognized do you understand to have faith in christ it was not just men that recognized she was recognized okay um rahab also rahab the harlot you know funny enough it's through her lineage that christ came anyway so she used to be a harlot amen former business or former occupation not current occupation but I think it's mentioned say by faith the harlot Rahab perish not with those that believe not. See that? So she's also called an elder. So that means she's called it with honor. Notice that people like Cain are not here, Adam is not here, so those people are not, not here. And there are reasons. The reason is basically that those people did not exercise faith in Christ. Okay, so okay, so from here we can actually move on to something else. So that is, I know we're talking about Israel, right? I can't speak for the rest of the world because uh, <laughs> the rest of the world was a crazy place. Um, many places, women, we know that they were, it actually was a give or take. Some of them, some in many places, were disrespected, and in some other places, they were actually very much exalted to the point that, in fact, when um, Paul was in Athens or so, I think Athens was one of those places, there was actually um, a whole sect or religion towards the goddess Artemis. Who was a female, a female goddess and in fact the whole city or whole town like it was a totally female cult revered artemis you know in fact it caused when paul began to preach and everything and the people who were selling idols of artemis i think the small the idols they were several out of business it, it took it very very seriously or personally you understand and the whole city was an, when it was in an uproar but it was concerning this goddess i think is it is, it, is that attempts or diana Shah? but there are female goddesses and there were lots of women that you know were of note in society and all that stuff but anyway what, I, what we're just here to show you is that at least from the system that god you know ordained or endorsed that women actually came out so but we're going to see something one thing we're seeing here is that as much as you know we see women well, we don't see them frequently they're not like frequent they're not many of course, 
for this amount of women i just quoted about five or so or six they were like <laughs> maybe 50 other people or men that were of note or prominence and and everything that were not but we just see that there was an infrequency of women taking leadership roles or positions you understand and then um i think i explained a lot about that last week explaining the fact that um the peculiarity of a woman and the fact that she gives birth and has children if, if we're going to be honest actually affects a lot of what she does that's the truth uh, today feminists don't want to accept that but it's true if a woman who is raising a family and everything at sometimes if she's nursing you know taking care of kids and everything like to know this this thing this actually affects you know their how i put it to a point that affects their ability to you understand be as flexible as men who are not pregnant or who don't have children and all that stuff in that period or the rabbis at that time the, okay so after moses died and everything there was a succession of rabbis that people who taught the law right the laws of moses and there are many of them that came you know in succession but by the time jesus actually got there you would not realize that many of these rabbis what moses taught in the first five books right it got to a point that they began to distort what he thought in other words they began to cut chip away at what he thought add their own because if you understand who moses is i think i've done some teachings of moses on my podcast if you understand who moses is or moses was you know that the teachings of moses are actually very foundational like you cannot mess with the teachings of moses the entire bible would not exist if not for moses teachings genesis for example was written by moses genesis is actually like the the building block of every other book there is no other book that did not quote genesis like it's like the building block of every other book because he laid the foundation of um what the bible is about which is salvation and so but these rabbis when they came these teachers you know and by the way hope you know that jesus was also a rabbi the bible they called him rabboni or teacher rabbi rabbi and everything and the Bible says that he, when he came to is in Nazareth or Capernaum, wherever, that he opened the scroll as was his custom. So he was actually a rabbi. So these rabbis or teachers, among them, some became very prominent over the ages. And they be, their writings or their own interpretation of the law of Moses, right? And, you know, became more almost on par with Moses' own law, if not on par self. So they introduced lots of things. There are lots of things they began to say and do and everything. And so by the time Jesus came, they are really they had actually in fact their their tradition had become crazy like it was something else there are many things that yeah i think i've said this before that just when he came he had whatever you see just saying woe to you you know hypocrites he was talking about these guys these rabbis they became pharisees the different sects pharisees sadducees and essence for example the sadducees don't believe there's a resurrection and all those things so and the scribes those who write you know and all that stuff when jesus came he was tackling these guys why because these guys had elevated those other additions you know in fact there are many traditions and had made them as prominent as the law right normally i like to re- read uh, mark chapter 7 to explain this mark 7 you can open there okay it says then came together with unto him the pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from jerusalem and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile that is to say with unwashed hands they found fault for the pharisees and all the jews except they wash their hands often eat not holding the tradition of the elders i seen that so there was what we call the tradition of the elders this was this was these were not in the law of moses so it is the elders who began to say ah you should wash your hands you should do this you should do that 
plenty plenty instructions and rules that they just put in there that were never there primarily do you get they were not there they were useless in fact very useless ideas and everything and okay look at verse 4 and when they came from the market except they wash they eat not and many other things that be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables so the disciple the first season asked him why why walk not with disciples according to the tradition of the elders but eat bread on washed hands i seen that then look at what jesus said he answered and said to them well very well has isaiah the prophet prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written the people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me so he was calling them hypocrites why he says how be it in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men for laying aside the commandment of god you hold the traditions of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other things like you do i see now you fool well you reject the commandment of god that you may keep your own tradition so you can see that in some cases they actually substituted the commandments of men that is these traditions of these elders that were not the law of god we know how the law came mount sinai um moses received on tablets of stone right that was one aspect of the law there was also this other one that moses wrote you know that had about 613 laws and everything but the point is that at least there's one that god gave them there's one that part of it that moses broke down and wrote you know in a book the what we call the book of the law notice it's the book of the law not the tablets that one was tablets of stone then there was the book of the law these things they were saying were not inside there as if the 613 laws were not enough they came up with their own ideas and interpretation and then look at that he says they began to substitute so look at an example i explained this before how okay verse 9 and he said to them full well you reject the commandment of god that you may keep your own tradition for moses says honor your father and your mother whoever causes father and mother let him die the death but you say if a man should say to his father or mother it is korban that is a gift you know then basically the idea is that you're supposed to honor your parents and you're supposed to give to them right to honor them then you say no 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 it's a gift to god they say oh okay my son so that means you will now because to profit these pharisees or whatever it will now you can give to god in other words give to the temple or give to them and then you would neglect your duties to your parents stuff like that so they had many of these rules and religions that were useless right very nonsense did nothing you get i mean what what has washing your hands got to do with god you understand and then they had some many other many other where i'm going with this is that they had many other ridiculous laws towards for example gentiles if you saw gentiles they called them dogs they called them animals you know that's those were non-jews in fact some people if you some people i said this before that if they go and they see a gentile interact with the gentile they come back they will have their bath because they will feel they're unclean because of associating with the gentile if you know how they treated the samaritans eh, they were so disgusted by the samaritans who were half jews and um half israelis and so now this bias or this nonsense ideas also spread to women there are many of them who began to concord ideas based on their own maybe misunderstanding irreverence misogynistic ideas of women they brought this and added them into things that men were supposed to observe to, to the point that men and women were not even supposed to be seen like in the same place like in public to talk to a woman in public was like taboo right and that's why you see that when jesus spoke to the samaritan woman when he was talking to the samaritan woman look at the response john chapter 4 verse 27 and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman yet no one said no man said what are you looking for or why do you talk with her are you seeing that so it, it just tells you there was a there was a problem in their perception <laughs> there was a problem in their perception of of women so it's like 
she was Samaritan and she was a woman. So they were not, these things were not, they were not, because these ideas are still being carried on even in Israel today that Israel now is actually more, you know, uh, how will I put it, is it libertarian or, or more liberal in the sense that they don't, but the religion of Judaism, right, is still being practiced in Israel. And we still have rabbis who think like this. And obviously the reason they think like this has a lot to do with these other these older rabbis, you understand, who thought these things. And now these newer ones over the past one to two thousand years still maintain those same stances, but in private because it's not popular in quotes to say those things in public. You understand? In fact, to the point that uh, when they meet in synagogues, well, in many synagogues, the, the men are in front, you know, sit in front. The women are are, the, or are behind because they are not supposed to, you know, they are not considered sensible enough to hear the word of God. Are usually behind, and then what happens is that. The men, there's even a prayer. The men pray. I thank you. I thank God. I'm not okay. Remember the story of that that man. What's the other man? The that's the Jew, the scribe or something. And then the sinner was saying, I thank God. I'm not a tax collector or this or that, or even like this tax collector here or something like that. But there was actually this prayer that they prayed that was popular back then, where they say, I thank God. I'm not a I'm not a Gentile. I'm not a sinner or something like that, and I'm not a woman. You know. That was the prayer of those men back then, and you know. So I'm, I'm coming. I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm trying to show you because we're going to see how Jesus, that Jesus came into this kind of environment, society. But then that just gives you an idea, right, of how they were thinking in that time, right? It gives you an idea of how they were thinking, how they perceived women, you know, in that period, <laughs> that age. That's how they were seeing. They, they saw them. You understand. So, you now understand, by looking at that, obviously, women were a horrible thing, you understand? Like, property, if I, I saw one, they said the woman, you know, should be allowed to go out maybe twice a month. She should be kept in the house and maybe go out only if necessary twice a month. So, some of those rabbis, this is how they were thinking, you understand? So, that was this kind of society. It doesn't mean that women do not have certain rights, but that's how they were thinking. Uh, in fact, you can also tell even from the Bible, for example, you see he had the the woman caught in adultery. Remember that woman, right? Remember how she was treated. You caught, Moses actually spoke about the man and woman. When they catch, you are supposed to catch the man and the woman in adultery and then stone them. In this case, only the woman was brought for. Where was the man? Can she commit adultery with herself? Where is the man? They didn't say anything about the man. You get. So, just tells you that that was, that was their own view or their own perception of, um, you know, of women. And it was in this background that Jesus came. <laughs> you know, it was against this kind of the society that Jesus came. He came into this kind of society. So, because if you don't understand the context of that time, right? I mean, the women were not taught the law. They were not taught the word of God. They were not taught the law. Women were not, um, in fact, what are they doing in the synagogue? They were not taught. They were not discipled, right? You know, people just had disciples. Many rabbis then had, had disciples. Women were no, never disciples. They were not disciples. You know, in fact, I think throughout history, throughout known history, um, before Christ came, or I think there was only one woman who was a rabbi that is known as one or two that were rabbis. You understand? It was frowned upon. It was women were just seen as doing this is not, they are not, they are not worth it. They are not, they can't comprehend, you know. You see one saying that a woman is like a donkey, that she can't think, you know, that there's many, many things. So when you now understand the context of this society and you see how Jesus treated women, you realize that he was at the cutting edge of the game. The way he actually, you know, did it, or, you know, he was he was ahead of his time, let me put it like that. He was a revolutionary, in fact, in his treatment of women. 
right? For example, remember, look at how he treated the woman caught in adultery, right? He didn't say, I'll bring the stone, bring the stone, I will stone her first. <laughs> no. He saw how he loved her, right? Look at the Samaritan woman that he met, a Gentile and a Samaritan. You know, a Gentile, sorry, Gentile, that's a Gentile Samaritan woman. She was a Samaritan, she was a woman. And he didn't flip out. He actually spoke to her to the point that his apostles were, his disciples, when they came, they were shocked. He's talking to this woman. And she's a she's Samaritan. And nobody is saying, ah, what are you doing here? You understand? So you see, he was ahead of his time, right? Very, very much ahead of his time. And someone like Mary Magdalene, right? Look at how Mary, he treated Mary Magdalene. You get that he cast the Bible says he, Mark 16, verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared, you know, to first Mary Magdalene, out of whom he has cast uh, seven devils. Are you seeing that? So he cast out devils from her later. She actually, you see that she became his disciple. Actually, she followed him around um, alongside the other disciples and apostles and everything. You get, and then we now see in Luke chapter 7, verse 7, a certain woman. Look, I said, and behold, a woman in the in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was sat at meeting in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. So this is the story of the, you know, the woman who brought an alabaster box and, you know, poured it on Jesus' feet and everything. Okay, and she stood at his behind his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the heads of her head, and kiss his feet, and anointed them with oil. So, you see, this same woman, John 12 actually tells us who the woman was that anointed him, right? Then took Mary a pound of ointment. Now, there's, I did some reaching, I found out there's some controversy on who this, the question is, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, actually the same, the same person you get. But then, for me, I know when you look at the four Gospels, you know, you're looking at four different accounts. But the fact that this same story, Mary's name is there, I think it is actually, that is the same woman who, well, the thing is that she was not actually, she was called a sinner right and that deck goes out the window the idea that she was a prostitute i don't know where we saw because even today i was reading looking for i was when i was preparing my sermon i was looking for where they actually said she was a prostitute i could not find it okay someone is asking me a question they say if women weren't taught the law how come some pro- prophets like deborah understood and everything now i'm not saying that this is something that happened i'm saying over time like by the time jesus came this is what they were doing I'm not saying that's how it was throughout. Do you get when by the time Jesus, you know, came, that is what or how they were, you understand, behaving. That's what they were doing. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Most likely, of course, the law was taught, but uh, it got to a point where they did not think a woman was worth teaching. You understand? That's why I said that's why you only see only one woman was a rabbi. Even if it had several prophets, only one was a rabbi. Only one was a teacher of the law, one or two, you know, throughout that known history. Then so you see this Mary, right? One thing I see from here is I see a woman's gratitude, regardless of whether it's her or not. But what I see is a woman's gratitude. You understand how she just comes and she takes a year's uh, salary. This perfume was like a year's salary and she comes and she just lavishes it on Christ. It just tells you how much, you know, she loved him. Obviously, because she had been loved, she had experienced his love for her. And that's why he actually did that. You get so definitely um we actually see that his treatment of women was much different from what was available in those days and it didn't just stop there it actually extended right to the fact that jesus actually had women in ministry he actually had women who did ministry we're going to see that now that he had women who did ministry with him uh, you know because someone asked me question asked the question how come jesus only had 12 apostles and there was no woman inside 
First of all, let me say this. If you decided to have holy men, what's your business? Are you God? That's the first thing. Because some people feel there's this... I think I spoke about this last uh, last week or something like that. There's this inclusion idea people have in their heads that everything must be, you know, must be mixed. Okay, if, if there are men, there must be a woman inside. But there are many cases where there are women and there's no men inside. Or, You know, my point is that, look, sometimes some people should have their decision. This is God. If God said, now, nah, I'm going to give you reasons why, actually, but even if you give no reason, I just say, I just want 12 men. And do you understand? Does it mean, from all the other things you've seen about him, does it mean that he just hates women and says, keep them aside? No. Sometimes we read the Bible with veil, with a veil in our minds. We're already angry and we read the Bible, read our anger into the scriptures. You understand? It shouldn't be like that. Amen? Okay, so I want to show you another thing now. The fact that even I'm about to talk about how he treated women, right? And look at this. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 actually tells us that, you know, Luke 10, uh, 38. Look at this. It says, And now it came to pass as they went, as he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Right? Now, Sat at Jesus' feet, not that she actually came and sat down and just was at his feet, I was just looking at his face. Oh, fine man, fine man, you can teach her, they teach fire. No, <laughs> no, that's not what it means, right? Because we see an example or whether it's used again. And um, Acts 22, verse 3 I'm verily a man which of a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Are you seeing that? At the feet of Gamaliel. Does he mean that Paul sat down at Gamaliel's feet and was looking at him? No. It means that Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel. He learned of Gamaliel. So, when we now talk about Mary at the feet, right, of Jesus, it means she was learning. That's what she was doing. She was a disciple of Jesus. Are you seeing that? So, the idea that Jesus did not have female disciples is a lie. Because you see here clearly that it actually says that, um, you know, it says that she, and she had a sister Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Are you seeing that? So she was a disciple and she most likely was not alone. He walked, she traveled with his disciples. So as he was teaching them, she probably she sat down there too with her notes and everything and she was learning. So he was training her and disciples were trained in those days to be, you know, for ministry, were trained to be teachers. So she was being trained, do you understand? Being raised alongside the men. Are you seeing that? <laughs> now look at verse 40. When Martha was combined about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she should help me. That means tell her to come and help me. Tell her to help, let her help me. Why are you, you know? <laughs> and Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, for hundreds of years or whatever, you women have been told your place is in the kitchen. Your place is domestic, raising children and all. That's just your place. You're, you have no place in God's agenda. You have no place in God's plan for ministry. You have no place. But Mary has now seen the opportunity and she's learning. You understand? He said that this is where she should be. You people have been kept there. Mary has made progress and come out to this other place. You people have always been in the other room, like someone would say. But then Mary has made it here and everything. And you're trying to take her back there. <laughs> Not that she cannot do all that, but the point is, she should sit and learn. She should sit and learn. Do you get that? So Jesus actually had disciples. He had that was a female. He encouraged learning. 
he encouraged that she should be discipled. She should be trained. Have you seen that? Now, so clearly he had disciples. He had other women in ministry. Look at this. So now he he appointed 12 apostles, right? Also, he appointed 70. In other words, he had 12 apostles. But in those 12 apostles, he appointed those 12 from about 70. He had 70 at the time. In fact, by the time he rose from the dead and everything, he there were about 120 that were in you know, in um, Jerusalem at that time when the Holy Ghost fell. But at, at least 500 people saw him. So he actually had a lot of disciples. There were about 500 that saw him when he resurrected, about 120 that were there, you know. So he appointed 12 apostles from 70. Look at it. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. Now, look earlier in chapter 8, listed some of these disciples, right? Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women also, are you seeing that? And certain women, you know, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Okay? Mary called Magdalene. Are you seeing her, the lady? So, in other words, this is a lady who had demons before, was most likely a sin, lived a sinful life, and then she became someone that followed him. Made Comadina, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now, you would think, when you read that, you would think that he's only limiting it to the fact that they were ministering to his needs, they took care of him. But look at this, notice that Luke referred to them in verse 2 as certain women. And in verse 3, he listed a few of them, Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and summarized the rest as many others. So in other words, there are many women that followed Jesus. There are many of them. Are you seeing that? So from this, we can tell that Jesus had many female disciples in his ministry, right? Out of those 70, there were many of them that were women, okay? Now look at this. In the book of Acts also, in the book of Acts, all those in Solomon's porch were referred by to by Luke who wrote it the book of acts as the disciples that is he referred to all of them in solomon's porch right in acts as disciples acts 115 and in those days peter stood up in the midst of the disciples right in the midst of who the disciples and said right uh-huh. the number of names together were about 120 so in that case they were about 120 at this point now observe that in the context luke identified these women he spoke of you know them earlier in luke 8 verse 2 to 3 and also mary jesus's mother so, like he mentions other women, right? So, you can tell that these women were with them. When Jesus rose from the dead in Acts chapter 1, there were women were among them and he says this, and they called all of them disciples. Are you seeing that? And guess what? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was included. She was also there. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So, Acts chapter 1 verse 14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Are you seeing that? clearly just had other disciples in his ministry apart from the 12 and many of them were women are you seeing this so you can actually tell that you know lots of women were there <laughs> right so why did jesus choose 12 men as apostles now this is not by far a hundred percent answer but it's more of a highly probable answer okay now look at mark 10 verse 28 then peter began to say unto him Lo, we have left all and have followed you. 
You see that? Luke 18, 28. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. That's we have left every single thing and followed you. Are you seeing that? We have left what? Every single thing and what? Followed, you know, followed you. It means that they are actually saying that we have abandoned every other thing that we were doing and we came to follow you full time. Right? Everything. Then look at what Jesus says to them. His response tells a lot. And just answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and, and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. Are you seeing that? So this is actually the price they paid. They left everything. Peter had a wife, for example. The Bible mentions his mother-in-law. He was not with her. He was traveling full-time with Jesus. He was, they were always with Jesus. They were always with Jesus. Are you seeing that? They were always with Jesus. Always with him. You get. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 21. This actually tells us something because this is when they, were, when they had to replace um, one of the apostles, Judas. Because Judas had died. They had to replace him. That's one of the twelve. And see what they say about the twelve. That's the person replacing the qualifications of a person that will replace him. So they now list the qualifications. Where of, of these men which have company with us at the time that the Lord now look at they have been around us with it at the time that the Lord just went in and came out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, that's Acts eleven verse twenty-two, on to the same day that he was taken up from us. He must be one ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So, you are seeing that the role that these guys were supposed to play is that they were meant to be eyewitnesses of his resurrection. The reason he chose these 12 men, do you get, aside from the fact that they would also function as leaders of the church initially, but they were witnesses of his resurrection, right? You will see Peter say it, you see John say it in, in the book of John, in the book of Peter, that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. But to be eyewitnesses of his resurrection, they had to be eyewitnesses of his life. Because it would make no sense if all they saw was the guy resurrecting, that they saw him come from the dead. They had to have seen his life, how he lived and everything. They said right from the baptism of John and seen his life throughout. And then they saw him when he died. And then after he died, they saw him resurrected. They were eyewitnesses. They had a special assignment to be eyewitnesses. That means they had to be with him all the time. Do you get? They couldn't be with him partially and everything. He had to be all the time to the point where he died. They saw him die. They saw him buried. Then they saw him raised from the dead. You understand? They had to be there. So the person they picked was someone who fit that description. Are you seeing that? So, of course, we know that Matthias was picked. So, from all this, we can deduce that the cost of our sacrifice that these apostles had to bear at that time to function in that office, which, you know, was that they had to be with Jesus continually. Through thick and thin, everywhere he was, everything he had to be there, which would have probably been difficult or tough for women, particularly married women at that time. It would have been tougher because, as a woman, you know, as a man, you know, the Bible talks about the two sons of Zebedee. They got up and followed, you know, two sons. They got up and left their father's fishing, whatever, and, and followed Jesus. Now, imagine if there were two girls. My friend, come back here. Are you okay? Go, 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 go inside the kitchen. Nobody will, who will allow their daughter, like they just go, just follow him like that. <laughs> it would have cost Wahala. You understand? Or a wife. Peter left his you know his wife at home and everything to follow him. But a woman would have been much more difficult. So this is actually the, the place where we say that it's very, very probable. Do you understand? And I said it's not 100 percent probable. 
that this is why women he didn't call women because he knew that this is probably <laughs> it's going to be difficult you understand the hair and number two another thing you also have to factor in is also the place of modesty you get these people have to be very very close you're looking at many times he will say peter james and john come let's go into the bush let's go here let's go here if there are women there think about it also was how how would that look do you understand even these days when we do ministry you don't go to a place without your wife as a minister you don't stay alone with a woman you don't do how would it have looked do you understand how would it have looked you know to have women in that much inner circle uh, you say okay come let's go they now go say going to where you say we're going to go and see vision eh. <laughs> it doesn't make sense do you understand eh. so that's those that those are some as i said probable reasons why those things were not you know where women were not in that initial 12 do you understand and of course we see the first person you know in those days also a woman part of this um, stigma against women was that a woman's word was like half the worth of a man's word even in court in other words if a woman says she saw something is 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 half the worth of if a man said he saw something but then think about it at the resurrection of jesus who does he pick who does he pick to see him first women women see him first in other words women are the first to spread the gospel they're the first to go and tell people that he has resurrected women are the first so jesus even though he knows in this and this is how it is perceived but he still says women will be the first to spread the gospel he gives women that honor so definitely from all that we've seen and we are not done honestly but from all that we've seen so far we can see clearly um oh, that's matthew 28 verse 7 john 15 18 to 20 we can see very very clearly that women were in no way you know put down in god's plan they were in no way um, disregarded in the life of jesus they were in no way sidelined or put aside no they were clearly um, recognized and they were in ministry you see that they were being trained as disciples they were being taught god's word as compared to what the rabbis were doing back in those days they were taught god's word if you know those who could when they could they followed jesus and in fact they preached the gospel the woman of samaria for example look at that after he spoke to her and he said i am here i'm the messiah she runs to samaria and evangelizes the whole of samaria for jesus she speaks to both men and women and just allows her he doesn't say hey be quiet don't do that he allows her the first evangelist to samaria the first preacher to samaria of christ was a woman so clearly you can see that there's no hindrance as a lady if, if from the eyes of christ do you get there is no hindrance to actually follow jesus and serve him and you know do certain things